Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We have a special guest that I alluded to tonight, um, Mr. John Posma. How are you doing? Hey, good. How are you, Zach? Not bad, not bad. You said you're in Chicago. Coming yep, from, south you're, suburbs you're, of Chicago. But, from Chicago. Uh, yeah. So, White Sox, Cubs, neither? <laughs> no, neither. Uh, White Sox a little bit, but uh, Milwaukee Brewers. So Brewers. Born and raised yeah. in Wisconsin, so Brewer fans. I like the, I like the Brewers, too. I, nice. I think and a little a little foreshadowing. I, I think you um maybe maybe you had some inside information on Avisael <laughs> Garcia this year because um we'll we'll get to that maybe at the end of the show. We'll talk about some of um I did a I did a little um did a maybe somewhat deep analysis on some of your teams. And I think oh, it's, it's some of some of the players that I really respect a lot. I'm I'm gonna try and um I wanted to do this preseason and I never never got around to it, but really just dive deep into a couple guys like yourself and just to see really what what you're doing, not, not just the players you're drafting, but how you draft. Um, but before we get into all that, um, I want to just um, get to know you a little bit. And we talked a little sure. bit before we started. Um, um, obviously, you're obviously a big baseball fan and um, into like, this is where baseball and stats sort of collide um, in fantasy baseball. So what's your really your earliest memory? Like not people always ask when do you start playing fantasy, but I think people have heard people talk about that, but what's the first like memory of like really getting into like stats, which obviously drove you to this game? So that started really uh, in college. Um, so that would be 1984, 85, somewhere in there. Um, I, I didn't really have access to all this kind of stuff growing up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. And uh, the internet was via Commodore 64 computer. So uh, yeah. <laughs> before your time, Zach. <laughs> a little bit, a little but, bit. Uh, I was, I was alive at that point, but. Oh, yeah. okay. That's good. Uh, but anyway, um, group of friends, I think it was a Bible study group or whatever. And uh, we would just hang out and uh, got involved in fantasy baseball stats. And I was kind of the stat guy. So I had to keep track of uh, the standings and, you know, we pulled it off of a newspaper um, USA Today. I don't know. I, I just remember some of, I remember that first draft and I drafted uh this rookie Jeff Bagwell, who I thought was going to be good. You know, that's how far back it goes, but oh. uh, that was a good pick if I remember. But he yeah, had a good he, year he, right he, off the he, bat. Right? I think he was a Boston guy at the time. Um, but anyway, uh, so I was kind of the stats guy and would scramble to get that paper every every week and accumulate the stats and send them out to everybody. So that, that was kind of how it all started. And, and then at people? some point in time, I... Uh, one of my friends, uh, Jack Hahn from the Chicago area here as well, he played fantasy football and he was having this draft in Chicago. So I thought, ah, he invited me to go check it out. So I, I didn't know anything about fantasy football. And sure enough, uh, it was at some hotel in Rosemont, I think, uh, Marriott and Rosemont maybe. And all these people were around this table drafting fantasy football players. I thought it was a pretty cool thing. So one thing led to another and I started joining both I don't remember which one came first I think I did football first but then baseball I, I enjoyed a lot and uh, did a few baseball things there was a Chicago version of the football thing in for baseball and we drafted in a very quite a few different places in Chicago Wrigley Field uh, the Cubby Bear uh, at the racetrack in Arlington there's just a whole host of different sites in Chicago over the years that we've drafted at in terms of and usually it's just like one league or two leagues in Chicago not a big group, but it's a pretty diehard group of drafters in Chicago. Yeah, last time I was able to travel, I was I went to a I went to <laughs> a, a game in, at um, at Wrigley 
for a bachelor party. Uh, probably it was okay. 2019. Last time uh, it was a full season with stands. Went to Cubby Bear after that uh, oh, yeah. game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Got, yeah, yeah, I got fucked up there. Real, this is a lot of fun. Just got, got drunk, but um, it was it was a ton of fun there. I love that. I love that place. I'd go. I want to. I want to go back. Yeah, there you go. So you still do a lot of you still do a lot of manual like stats, or do you rely on um, do you do you rely on I guess the the I guess fantasy software that NFBC has, or what's what's what do you still do manually? Yeah, so I plug everything into a spreadsheet. You know, obviously I use all the websites that everybody uses. Probably, I mean, I I like Baseball HQ. I like uh, Chandler's BAB system. Uh, Rotowire, I'm a big proponent of. I I like reading that stuff and using some rankings and. You know, in the end, you know, they all do a pretty good job of skill analysis, I think. And then for us as players, we just got to try to figure out the missing piece, the playing time, the opportunities, that kind of thing. And uh, mm-hmm. and then roster construction, of course, is just a huge part of it. I think we'll probably touch on that later. But uh, so I, I don't know that I do a whole lot different than a lot of other people. I mean, there's so many good tools out there. I'm not huge into the stat casts metrics. I mean, I look at it. It's new. I still think in terms of K per nine and not K percent. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm slow to come around on a few of these different things, but uh, yeah, so not, so not I'm sort of revolutionary there. I think some of the, some of the stats are um, in my opinion, and I don't know for sure. And I don't think there is a right answer, but I feel my gut says that like, we're going like we're going overboard yeah. with all these advanced stats, yeah. like some of them, like I really right. like swinging strike, right. For example, yeah. like that, exactly. I think that one is, is good and, and useful, but I think a lot of the other ones like, um, like launch angle, um, especially is something that I have. Yeah. To, uh, right. Some of the stuff is, place. yeah. Some of the stuff is proven to not be sticky already. Right. So, uh, I think it's, we're just at the early stage of it. It's an exciting time to be doing this because there's so many new things and they're measuring things differently. And, uh, the, the trick will be what what uh, what is predictive and what isn't, right? So uh, we're, we're getting there. We're learning, more in, we're learning more every year for sure. Yeah, great. So, so um, one one story just on on uh, NFBC thing uh, we yeah. did. Uh, uh, usually, I just did the Chicago League, and then eventually uh, they didn't have Chicago one year, or maybe it was when they had different cities all over the country, and they had one in St. Louis. So that was like the first road trip. We traveled to St. Louis to do a draft. And it was at the Pujols Five Club or Bar or whatever. And the moderator, the person that was moderating the draft was none other than Kay Adams, who before she was famous and put Good Morning Football or whatever her show is. But uh, yeah, she was, the, she was the moderator. So that was pretty cool. And uh, I remember, I really remember, you know, not just because it was Kay Adams and Kyle Alfrink there, but uh, some of the players, Dan Kenyon was there with his wife. And uh, right. Uh, Phil McDonald and there was there's just a whole I think I traveled with Jack Hahn and Mike Diedrich uh, so we had a whole group of uh, Chicago Midwesterners that were at that uh, draft and that was like my first experience of a draft outside of Chicago and then since then I've been to I usually do Chicago plus uh, Vegas on the second weekend. That's cool I never I've actually to be honest I've never heard of that Kay Adams. <laughs> No, oh, she's a she's a famous football host. Uh, I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of Kay Adams. Probably, I'm just I'm, even I'm always, Mikey, I'm always out of the loop. Pro- probably Mikey even knows of Kay Adams. 
You know what? He always makes fun of me that I'm, I don't know anyone he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, now you know how he feels, but I'm, uh, That's funny. I'm not that young. I'm, th- I'm 38. So I should, I should know some of these things, but fuck. All right. When you're done with this podcast, Google K Adams and see who K Adams is. Google um, you and your technology. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, just like now, speaking of NFBC, like I, I think that like you've probably heard the topic comes up, like people say like, Oh, it not only like, why do people think that NFBC is the best of the best? And some people are, I, I, I do have to admit, some people are like an elitist for the NFBC, but I think some people are, are, are grounded enough to realize that there are some really, really good players that don't play the NFBC, but NFBC seems to be sort of like the barometer for fantasy baseball. And it's getting more and more like that. And I was thinking about that and it's something that I've never really articulated. I, I think that just, there's just like an accountability with the NFBC. It's very like transparent. It's like, the thing is the best way to describe it, it's like a known commodity. So it's like, yeah, everyone knows everyone. We know that like, it's a, it's a standard format. And when you talk about other leagues, like no one knows the format. Like, okay, how many bench players do you have? Like, right. is, it your league? is it on Yahoo? Like who's in your league? Is it like your cousin? NFBC, it's like, it's right. a known, it's a known commodity. So it's like, it's not that it's the, like necessarily the best, but it's a known commodity, yeah. but you do get the best players in there because of the stakes and because of the rake, right? You can't sort of like, I'm, lear- I'm learning, like I'm still my second really full year playing yeah. it and you can't survive. Like not that, not, not that NFBC gouges you at all, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of their site and I'm a huge fan of all the, all the people that run it like Derek and Greg and everyone, but um, can't say enough good things about them. But um, I, it just like, you can't like in order to play in a, a, a site hosted like that with the national contest, you, you just, you, you wouldn't be able to just continue to play unless you're very good. Um, I think. So yeah, I think so it's just I, like I the, think... the, the transparency of like, right. All, all of your results are posted. So it's like transparent. It's a known commodity. Whereas everything else is just like a crapshoot basically. Yeah. I mean, still there's nothing like a home league with your friends and you've done it for years. I respect that. I, I only did that a few years and then, I honestly have only done NFBC. I think I did maybe one or two DCs on fan tracks a couple of times, but uh, other than that, it's been all NFBC. And, and for one, it's a no trading league. Two, you've got uh, good people that run it, right? So um, there's no goofiness in terms of, uh, yeah, like you said, it's all above board. You, you know the rules ahead of time, you know, and for me, it's just a familiarity with the people as well as uh, the best players play there. So uh, why, if you want to test yourself, it's you want to go against the best. And I think the best play at NFBC. And, um, you know, that's that's part of the challenge is these tough leagues. I mean, it's it's great to be in a league full of sharks and uh, and, and try to manage your way through that. I think that's a great challenge. And, and NFBC is the spot for all that, I think. So there's lots of pluses to it yeah no i play in other leagues as well i play on fan tracks i play home leagues as well but um no i agree with what you're saying and, I think and i'm not here to bash in any of the other leagues because I, I i honestly don't know them that well i'm just really familiar with the software with uh, how nfbc works and i just don't want to bother myself with two different systems and two yeah, different no. ways of doing fab and different rules you know maybe that's for smarter people and then than myself and i just enjoy the nfbc so i stick with that no, you didn't come off. Uh, you didn't come off that way at all, bashing. And I, I try to stick to um, 
I try to limit the number of softwares I deal with just because right. you know, the volume of leagues and like you're in a lot of leagues. I'm in a lot of leagues. And the tr- like you mentioned trading, I can't, I can't do the trading. I mean, I'm in home <laughs> no, leagues exactly. and I literally yeah. don't have the bandwidth to keep offering these trades. Right. Basically yeah, it same. works against me because there's going to be a guy in one of these home leagues that off it's offering like 20 or 30 trades a day to everyone. And eventually he's going to strike gold and find someone that doesn't know what he's doing and accept these trades. And I'm like, Oh, wish I could have done that. But guess what? I'm in 50, 60 leagues and I don't have the time to do that. So you right. probably, you probably feel very similarly to that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Good point. Zach. Um, all right. So let's get into this. Um, um, I heard you, like I, like I told you before we started recording, I heard you on Rob's podcast and you great, did a great job there. Um, you were saying that um, you tend to, like this year, like at least you were tending to focus on starting pitcher and, and, and speed. Those were your, that's what I heard you say. Um, it could be other, could be other um, commodities in the first uh, three rounds. Um, do you see this all, do you see yourself ch- um, changing this at all next year? And like, um, would you consider, would you think that anything else changes in terms of like the landscape? So we talked about draft strategy and like when you go after certain um, positions or stats, um, do you see that same status quo? And and if so, yeah. anything else changing? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I probably draft starting pitching a little more aggressively than many. Um, I'm not afraid to take a starting pitching first round for sure. Um, but um, sometimes I'll take two in the first three rounds or go back to back and that wasn't even thought of 10 years ago for sure, or even five years, but now it, it happens regularly and you're seeing some of the best people in the, in the league do this. Now, uh, if you look at the leaderboard today in the main event and you see Phil DeSalt, the robot guy, goodness. I mean, he, he nailed the starting pitching. Like he's, he's got it. Um, and you know, I think, and I think there was a stat somewhere that nobody's won the main event with taking the starting pitching in the first round. I think that'll probably, that, that's going to change. It's, that record is going to fall probably this year, I would say. Uh, the way Phil's team looks, he, he's got a good shot at it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think to answer your question in terms of uh, what's going to change, well, I think the DH is going to be universal. So that changes some things, I think. Um, you know, the shift, I think they might change the shift, uh, rules. So there's going to be some baseball rules that change that, that are going to affect, and you got the whole sticky substance thing. And I could actually see a little bit of backing off on starting pitching compared to what happened this year. Um, just as a result of some of those things, but we'll see. Uh, but in general, NFBC players draft starting pitching more aggressively than almost any other, uh, format or league that I've seen. And yeah, I think that continues. It's, it's like because we know what's going to go. It just it's the chicken or the egg argument because you know it's going to go early, so you, you have to follow suit. Not necessarily because starting pitching is more valuable; it's just more valuable relative to like where yeah. where it basically gets taken, and, and and people have just adapted to that. It's like sort of like we're animals adapting to an environment, right? <laughs> um, interesting what you're saying about backing up on starting pitching. I've talked about this, this topic, it's not in our agenda, but I talked about it briefly right. in some other podcasts, but just that second like tier of starting pitching, I think one of the most important things like that I've maybe learned and, and I'll, I'll, I'll test it out to see if it's going to be something that's, that's viable or not, but just identifying like the, the pitchers in that second tier, like your Sonny Gray's or please I don't know right. how you felt about him and just sort of like saying, finding out which, pitchers like in that next tier, like in round seven and eight are not that much different than those pitchers. So like your please acts and your, your grays and your, yeah, uh, your, you know, it's easy, it's easy to think that way and think, you know, it's, it's fun to do that comparison. Why take, uh, 
cold when you can have this guy five rounds later or whatever. But in the end, oftentimes that next guy just doesn't do what you thought he was going to do. So, you know, I, short of a guy getting injured, there hasn't been too many uh, real top tier pitching that you, you've not been happy with, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I think it continues. And uh, I think that top tier pitching is still going to be very top tier and will be worth grabbing. And it just no. gives you such a, such an advantage. No, for sure. Yeah, no, like that, that top tier, but what do you, what do right. you think about this year when, when you talk about your Musgroves and your Gosmans, your Alcantara's, your, yeah. um, I mean, you could have hit Robbie Ray and Rodon and Gosman, like all could be, you know, that was the ticket this year. Right. Um, like that year, like around pick 100, like not, we're not talking right. about first and second round. We're talking about pick 100 versus like pick 60 or yeah. 50. Like no. those, like I'm thinking like, is that something you like, I guess you, you've already answered and you said not really, but um I guess I mean, it's a case by case basis. Yeah, right? it is. I mean, you're always going to have three to four starting pitching, starting pitchers. I would say at, at the 10th, at the 10th round point, you're going to have at least SP three on board. So it's just dep- depending on where you're, where you're taking that. So you can, you can go in the middle, you can take one on top and take one at five and one at seven or eight, but, uh, and then you got to probably get a closer in there. So it's not unusual to have four or five yellow in the first 10. It's generally, kind of how I have it but. right and that's a good transition to the next question I have is about closers um like oh, I think yeah. I think people are just going to be like, sort of like people yeah <laughs> yeah like I like <laughs> both my main events I drafted Trevor Rosenthal so oh nice job Zach thanks thanks <laughs> I, I thought so I thought it was a nice job when I did it yeah yeah it was tough but um yeah, closing has been tough. I think people are going to have like PTSD from closers this year. <laughs> it's been it's been a real tough year for for closers, um, and even some really good players are struggling um, accumulating saves. Um, uh, so I I don't personally I don't um, you can comment after me. No one cares what I have to say too much. But I think that closers aren't going to be as bad as they were this year. Next year, I think we're going to have some. I think we're going to have better clarity because not only was there poor clarity clarity there's a lot of closers sharing situations which might be the case anyways next year but also a lot of just like bad closers like like the royals and the reds have been like yeah so i think i think the quantity of saves will still be there like uh, the number that you need is still going to be the same i think it's just harder and harder to get because of the shared bullpen situations the the mlb is a copycat league and when uh they see Tampa Bay do what they do and a few of the others. Uh, I think, uh, I think it's going to be more and more shared and it's going to be a really hard thing to get the saves. And that maybe does push up uh, that top tier that pretty much has the, the job, right? Like uh, it's going to get 90% of the saves, like the Josh haters of the world. And even Josh, you know, this year he, he's the closer and he's only going to be, he's only been put in save roles. Uh, but two years ago that wasn't the case and next year it might not be either because uh cc's just got a way of doing things the way he wants to do it and uh if he's got a different guy uh that steps up he i think he knew that devin williams wasn't quite all there this year and uh wasn't ready you remember he started uh he didn't even pitch it i think he started on the il yeah. to start the year and uh you know, at that point, you knew that Josh was going to be the guy and, and he's going to have the role and he's going to, you know, he's had a couple of hiccups lately, but, uh, you know, next year might be back to the multi-inning role because he definitely pitched a lot of multi-innings uh, coming up through the minors. So uh, you never know. 
Yeah, I was sort of afraid. I got to read that of him. I was I didn't have any shares of uh, Hater, maybe one or two. I was sort of afraid of his usage and a trade. Um, right. I sort of got cold feet at the beginning of the season. Not and not to say that I wouldn't take a closer early because I have several times, but just Hater in general, I was a little bit scared of. I might be a little bit scared next year as well, depending on what happens. You might we might we might find out some information before draft season, anyways. <laughs> But do you and see people? Like, do, you, do you see people taking pocket aces? Um, like they call it quote unquote. Oh quote, yeah, quote, pocket ace relievers, like a like a Hendricks hater. Like could that? Be oh a- yeah, I think that could happen. Like Hendricks is another good example. Like skills are good, maybe even great. Um, but what you had to like was, you know, I I don't like Tony Larusa as a manager, but in terms of a manager for a closer. He's perfect, right? He's just going to be old school, hand it over to his closer, and that's the end of the day. And uh, you could predict that he's going to get a ton of save opportunities and have a real long leash. So I think Liam Hendricks was a good pick, uh, yeah. worth, worth an early pick. And, pro- you know, as long as the, that combo's there and he's not hurt, you know, he'll be another good pick next year. Yeah, I think he's in the top, like, 90th percentile and holding your, holding one's value in the top, like, four rounds probably yeah so just some of this is skills and some of this is um you know reading the manager and usage in the situation in the team right so uh you're never gonna you gotta it's all uh part of the process and figuring this out one of the things we were talking about um recently was melanson and like how how like i dropped him admittedly after i drafted him (laughs) in um not huge leagues but uh two leagues i dropped him in and I'm, I'm kicking myself, but I'm thinking like, just maybe that's a lesson. Be patient and be patient with guys that have, ha- that have held the role, but it's, it, I don't know. I never, I never expected it to be just such a, like an overwhelmingly um, clear job for him. Right. And he's older. He doesn't have the strikeouts. Like a lot of pitchers have coming to a new team um, the tea leaves said like there could be Pagan. So it just didn't right. seem like, it yeah. seemed like if you're giving up on him, you weren't giving up on like, like a, like an elite, like closer, but y- you were. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad on that. I mean, we all did the same thing. So, uh, if we all knew Melanson was going to be the guy, he wouldn't have been drafted in the twenties. Right. So, uh, but that That's does, true. that does show you that, you know, like, uh, I remember, one of the characteristics of Dave Potts, for example, in, in a bunch of auctions I've been in, the guy will just never spend up for closer. And I know auctions a little bit different than uh, drafts, but he, he ended up with like two years ago, Shane Green and, you know, a couple other guys. And he ended up top of the league in saves and he spent like $5 on closers. And, uh, you know, that was, he, you know, there's just different ways of doing it. That's the beauty of this game, right? You can you can go either way. And uh, in fact, if you look at, I mean, an interesting study is uh, Phil DeSalt's main. He's got two teams up on top. He's got 27 and 28 saves right now between the two. Uh, you know, he's, he's at the 50th percentile on saves and he's at the 50th percentile on stolen bases, but he's like 95 percentile on the rest. So he, you know, he's made a, he's in great shape because the saves and stolen bases are two categories that you can move pretty quick on, um, you know, yeah, with the yeah. remaining part of the year. So, I mean, if he, you know, he's got kind of a storybook, uh, 
he's got he's got it written for him right here. He, I think he's got a good shot at it. He's put himself in a great position. I mean, and he hit on Robbie Ray, Gosman. I mean, he's got a Musgrove. Great team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he, he has this <laughs> so, system, and he was I, I was I speak to him from time to time, and he said so that nice. he's focusing yeah. he's focusing on saves. He knows he's very analytical, and he knows, oh, he knows yeah. what he needs to do. He's, he um, I think he knows that he needs to hammer some saves, and that's very possible for him. So yeah, he picked up. I saw he picked up the Seattle guy uh, this past week or two weeks ago. So yeah, he's in good shape. So um, who's Seawall? Yeah, Seawall. Yeah, I saw you. Yeah. I saw you picked him up in like every league. Uh, I picked up a few of them. <laughs> yeah, a few of them. I think he was your most picked up player this week. Maybe right. you might yeah. know my team better than me. Oh, well, I don't know. I was like, I, just before we started, I looked at, I looked at your Fab Bob pickups this last week. So oh, okay. I just looked at, I just looked at them now. All right. Um, talking about, um, I guess we can talk about Fab. The like um, there, there, there was the Canadian boat. Oh, did I say I like that? Like it? Yeah. Oh, I don't even notice that. Yeah. Um, Fab, twelve and fifteen teamers. Like, I guess it's, it's obviously different. I feel like the twelves are like the wild west in terms of like you don't know what okay. you don't know what people are going to bid. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a good question, Zach, on Fab. Um, the 15s are just, uh, I think one of the big differences is just in the starting pitching, right? So if you look at the amount of wins that you need to accumulate to get to the 80th percentile, I talk a lot about 80th percentile because that's a good goal to get to. Um, and you know what? Between the 12s and 15s, the wins are very close to the same number. The difference is that everybody plays three closers, um, the saves are much higher in the 12. So almost everybody rolls with six and three versus seven and two or six, two and one in, in a main event um, because there's just more closers to go around and people want to get the saves. So in the, in the what, what that translates to in FAB is there's so many more starting pitching, uh, starting pitchers available in fab uh so you're, you're never really dipping into the brett andersons of the world and uh you know trying to catch lightning in the bottle with zach davies or uh tyler anderson or something like that you just you don't have the need to do that just because of how much is available and then in terms of the bidding um it's just you're right it, it's different obviously there's uh, three less teams in addition i would say that the, the 12 teamers are a little bit lower price entry so it appeals to a broader base so maybe guys just starting out are more likely to do a 12 teamer than a, than a main event for example so therefore you know maybe it's their first or second year doing it they're not quite experienced at how everything works uh maybe uh you know they're not set up for the long haul in terms of the grind and they take a week or two off and and in a 12 team sometimes you get a team or two that runs away and then that's discouraging for the teams uh, that are below and they give up. So you, sometimes you see only five or six players picked up in a week. Uh, other times you see really poor management of the, of the budget and you got $800 gone of the thousand in, in the first two weeks, right? So then you got an advantage rest away that way as well. But, uh, you know, so those are a couple of the differences I see. So do you, do you tend to draft from the shifting from fa uh, fab to the draft? Do you tend to shoot for more upside in these 12s? You, you can afford to, I guess, miss on some. some oh, for sure. Guys? Yeah, I think so. Uh, upside. Yep. Exactly. Right. So 15 is long grind. You need every roster spot. You can't drop a guy when it's hurt or if they're going to miss at bats, whereas a 12, you know, you've got uh, David Peralta or uh, I mean, some really good players that if they're hurt, for a week or two, you're probably dropping them just because the replacement level is so high. Uh, so there's just not that need to keep those guys on the roster. So therefore you can keep 
a higher upside that you can keep an Eloy or a Chris Sale on your roster uh, waiting for him to come back because you can just churn those other spots and not lose too much in value because of what's available on the waiver wire. Uh, the waiver wire, man, this year more than ever, it seems, uh, the starting pitching is brutal. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, on the 15s. 15s like, it's yeah. hard to find uh, somebody you feel good about putting in your lineup for the next It's not year. bad in the 12s at all. Like you can no, twelve is like the first Caprioleon. Caprioleon's been great. Yeah, so twelves are littered with all kinds of values. Uh, yeah. So, and generally, you just put five or six of them in your queue, and you bid a few dollars, and you're good, right? So, right. Um, so you do you you've done um, I think probably close to twenty leagues, and at least that I've that I've that I've seen. I know you're in the, some fifties and some OCs, and you're in the mains. I'd say at least fifty, at least twenty leagues you're in, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So you called me out on how many leagues? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, like um, to, I don't like to admit how many leagues. So I do. Uh, I did two or three, maybe. I'm in sixties. I'm in sixties. I'm in sixties. So I got That's yeah. Crazy, yeah. How, how could you do sixty? It's tough. I got, I got 59. So no, I don't have, uh, so I do a few DCs uh, just early in the year, just kind of learn the player pool fifties. I never heard of and never thought I would ever do. I ended up did doing one. kind of liked it. You know, it's a little bit DCs. I haven't had very good success at maybe it's just the, the time of the year that I'm doing it versus the knowing the player pool, all that kind of stuff, uh, how deep it goes. I'm, I'm just maybe not so good at that. So the fifties, I thought, you know, I'll try a 50. That's a little bit less, right? It's only 10 teams. And I think it goes 42 rounds or so. It's like a little bit less players instead of 750, it's 400 and some or something like that. 50 rounds, right? 50 rounds. So 50 to 500 players. So that's better than 750, right? So uh, I kind of like that. Um, Or or 600, right? Because it's 12 times 50. Is it 10 team league or 12 team league? That's 12. You're right. Yeah. So 600. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking of 10 teamer, but uh, yeah, but it matters. Cut line, cut line is 10 teams. So I do a few of those too, but anyway, so I like the the size of it. I did one and I thought that was kind of fun. I'll do another, you know, instead of doing an OC, it's $50 instead of more. Right. So, and, and I did them all live, right. I didn't do any slow fifties. Mm. I, I did them all. Cause I really love the pressure of being on the clock and experiencing that right so that gets you ready for the the live events it gets you ready for the ocs uh there's something about being on the clock and having to make a call and being organized and have your information ready and know which direction you're gonna go and uh so i kind of fell in love with those and i thought you know it's dc format in terms of in-season management that's gonna be easy i just you know do two and a half hour draft and boom but man did i miss the uh how long it was going to take to do lineups. Uh, yeah, I know. That's my thing. I, I, <laughs> all my, most of my leagues are like not fab leagues. I think I had right. fab and then now I have all these DCs and fifties. Like, geez, like I do think I did 15 of these fifties. Um, right. the like that's my worst league, obviously. I'm like, uh, so I, you know, I thought I'll probably win a couple of these, but right now I'm, I did 14. I'm leading eight of them. And I think I got a good shot of winning those eight. And then there's a couple more that are in second. So, I feel like I'm going to end up with a pretty good uh, ROI on it, but I did it more for learning the learning it. And as well as uh, just the, just learning this, you know, I, I use uh, Roto Labs So uh, for the software, so they, you know, I, I continually tweak that and play with the different features on that. 
So that, that gives me an opportunity to do all that before I get to the OCs and the main events. So That's OCs awesome. and main events, I kind of do a little bit closer to the season starting. Um, the 50s I'll do earlier, you know, February or whatever. So. Cool. So just um, my question on, on the, like why I was asking you, uh, why I was alluding to the number of leagues is because um, I, like, I do a lot of leagues too. Um, not as successful as you are, but um, I'm looking at the ROI. I'm looking at these OCs and I'm like, okay, well, you really have, if you're playing these OCs, you're, you're, you're going for the overall. If you don't, if you're not trying to get the overall, then you should just be playing like the fifties. Um, but like, given the fact that like, like you have a tendency to draft your guys and I've noticed that you have some of your guys, but maybe not early on in the draft. Talk about like diversification in these OCs, because I don't know how many OCs you did, but if you're doing more than like five or six of them, then really it doesn't, it isn't there like diminishing marginal returns to drafting the same team because you're, you're put, you're putting money towards the same overall. Uh, well, I guess it depends how, yeah, I, I think you're right. So I did, uh, I think I did 12 OCs this year. Um, and uh, I would diversify the top, right? Like if I'm going to start an SP, if I'm going to take a starting pitching in the first round, you know, one, one league, I, I might do two to Grams. And then if I got that pick again in the second or third pick, you know, I might take a different picture there. Or I, I wouldn't take seven to Grams, for example. So, you know, just on the top, the first two or three rounds, I probably would diversify. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I, if I ended up with the first pick every single time, uh, you know, I wouldn't take, 12 Acunas or, you know, I, I'd mix it up. So I am cognizant of it. I keep a spreadsheet of all my rosters. Um, so I, I kind of have a feeling going into each draft uh, where I'm, uh, how heavy I am on certain players. But in the middle to the end, obviously, if you believe in the guy, that's a difference maker. And if it doesn't work, you know, it's they're replaceable. So uh, I, I don't hesitate from getting, uh, for example, I got 75% Freddie Peralta. I believed in Freddie Peralta. I drafted him everywhere. Uh, that I wasn't gonna not, st- I wasn't gonna stop taking him because that. I had X amount. He's one of the guys I had on my list that I <laughs> noticed. But now, were you drafting him before or after the news that he was going to be in the rotation? No, it was before. Several of them were before. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting so, him at pick three twenty five. Yeah, I yeah I was getting him in a good spot, right? Yeah. Trevor Rogers um, was another. Uh, then I was Trevor Rogers, so yeah, I, I got a quite a bit of him in the in the uh, drafted holes because you probably picked him up off waivers i did pick him up a couple times with fab too that first uh so that's another thing these ocs run they have a fab run right before the season starts and mm-hmm. some people miss that i mean that's a great opportunity to i think i picked up three or four trevor rogers uh, at that spot and i spent a couple hundred on each you know or 100 over i think over 100 on those uh to yeah. pick him up. I, I, I was in one cut line and i think i spent like 500 bucks on rogers <laughs> I got him, but some of my other guys were Contreras, uh, who hasn't been great. Uh, Wong, I got a lot of Wong. Part of that was well, my, let, me, uh, let me see. Let me see if I can guess some of your guys here. I have oh, sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Wilson Contreras, and if you didn't get him, you'd get Omar Navarez. Yeah, um, that's good. Um, Simeon, I think you liked. Yeah, I didn't get too much of him though. I should. I wish I had more of him. Yeah, Ab- Abisail. Um, yeah, Freddie Peralta. Abisail. Yeah, Robbie, like Robbie Ray. Robbie. Robbie's good. And then good Robbie. Stripling? You had, a, you had a bunch of stripling. Uh, yeah, I got a little bit of stripling. A lot of Kana. Uh, and then well, here's the here's the guy that you love. You had him in under team and you probably got him for free. Patrick Sandoval. Uh, <laughs> that was mostly more fab. I that was fab? I, I, I was not, honestly, I was just looking at your NFBC 50s and you have yeah, like yeah. Patrick Sandoval. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got him a lot in the 50s. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because yeah, you yeah. probably got him like in the, in the right between round 40. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I felt was really late pick was good. Uh, What'd you like about I had, him? Because you know what? Um, Cha has a ton of him too, I think. Oh, really? 
Casey That's Chalmers. probably why I took him. I saw one of his drafts or something. <laughs> sure. Really? <laughs> no. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I wasn't. I, I love Sandoval now. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I want him a little bit too late. I had some shares in DCs, not enough, but like okay. his, his changeup is like the best changeup in baseball, man. Like his swinging strike rate's insane. Um, he's just really, really good. Yeah, you know, I like those guys. That, I like the Ks, right? Guys that are high K percent, uh, high K per nine. Uh, I like those guys. So, so you, you know, and then, and then I felt a, like a, a soft spot this year was really uh, the corner infield. Like, uh, so I ended up with a ton of Eduardo Escobar or Yuli Gurriel. I, I just felt like those guys, they bubbled up a little bit on the Babs program or the Roto Lab uh, on both of those. So I ended up getting a lot of those because at some point in the draft, they were always the highest guy left and uh, they have the skills to support it. And uh, yeah, I think the market misjudged those two guys a little bit. Yeah. Escobar, Escobar in particular, he's sort of like a guy that people took because he's just solid. He's a nice floor, but he's turned into much more than that. And then this year was just weird because of the whole, right. The pandemic last year, the short season, I think it affected everything. It affected fab people spent stupid on fab uh recency bias is just such a such a force i gotta fight myself on it right like like it's just what's in your head and it's hard to uh mm -hmm. it's hard to stray away from that and just be objective but right um so i guess we um i guess we sort of spot we sort of um, talked touched on this question already i was asking you about diversification are there any late round guys that were must-haves we sort of talked about them now uh to be yep. honest those are, those are sort of the guys that were, were like must have like i've noticed i was looking at la i was looking at last year and i know it's sort of what we said it was a weird season but just looking at the the winning teams at the teams that generally did well you had like Plezak, corbin burns um like even tyler yeah. walker kind of like a little bit last year and like either either nailed like you either nailed your starting pitching early like or you nailed mm -hmm. it you had, you had to nail it somewhere you said i had to you got your bieber you had if you didn't get bieber you had to get like Maeda or, or um, I think Carrasco, was it Carrasco that did well? It was like sort of a, or was it the year before? Anyways, Maeda was one of them. Please act. Right. It's like, you got to hit it somewhere. So it's yeah. like this year it's Trevor Rogers. It's Freddie Peralta, right? Those two guys. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hit somewhere. Like, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're going to nail like all your first picks you get like in right. these DCs, like, do you have your guys like, okay, I need to get this guy like Freddie Peralta. Like I had, I had a lot of Freddie Peralta too. I think I had like 40 share. I think I had 40 at least percent of him. Oh, nice. So, um, I was big on him too. So he was sort of a guy that I was always targeting. Like I need to get this guy. Um, yeah. TJ Anton was another one that sort of didn't pan out, but was there, was there anyone that we didn't talk about that? Um, that no, I think you pretty much hit the, the guys I was going after there. Um, those are my, those are the guys I have over 50%, the ones I mentioned. So. Right on. Okay. Um, now, yeah, we talked about we, we talked about the uh, no, we didn't we didn't I didn't ask you this specifically, but um, any differences like in terms of your starting approach um, between the NFBC fifties, which are draft and hold, and the OC the OCs? They're both twelve team leagues, but they're different, I guess, strategies, right? Yeah, so obviously roster construction, you just need to have all your fifties. Uh, you you don't have fab, obviously, so you really need to cover all your positions. Uh, you. you, you I'm very specific on on how to cover that in terms of how many quantity at each position. So I, I don't vary from that hardly at all. So I'll always have three first basemen, three third basemen, three second base, three shortstop uh, that way, just to try to cover all the positions. Um, and then you're you're generally looking for uh, guys that are 
got a track record of being healthy, maybe, right? So uh, you just got to get, I mean, there are so many DCs I play in that I end up with not a healthy lineup halfway through and I can't even, I can hardly make a pitching roster, right? So I'm not always so good at that, but uh, the 50 is just a little bit easier because the player pool is a little bit smaller, but, and then, you know, and I think the other thing is you just don't want to take zeros other than maybe a catcher spot on the 12. So you really need to each week, so many injuries happen. You you just, those, you just got to make sure you're covered. So, a lot of times I'll be fabbing for me, not necessarily best player, right? Because you, you just definitely need the stats from that spot. So uh, you may pass on a better player uh, but and target uh, a second baseman instead of that outfielder that you would like. But uh, you definitely need the second baseman because Wong looks like he's going to go to the IL or whatever, right? So, Right. So just to follow up on what you were talking about in terms of the set number of positions. Now, say you get a guy like Eduardo Escobar. I think he was second and third eligible to enter the season. Right. I'm not sure. I know he is now. Um, right. Does that, um, would that like help you draft? Um, would that free up another spot? I mean, to- yeah. So this year there was a lot of those guys more than ever. It seemed like, uh, especially second base outfield combos. They lowered uh, the, the, the requirement. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, yeah, that's right. The, 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 the bar was different because of the quantity of games that were played. Um, so that made that a little bit easier. So a little bit more flexibility, but there are still so many injuries. So uh, I think a little bit easier to cover this year, maybe in terms of how many flexible players there were, but yeah, I think you move that up a little bit like right. the McNeil's of the world or whatever. So, right. And you talk about, you can't take zero. So like shifting over to a 15 team league, like a main event, um, are you really like, I'd, I'd imagine you'd only want to take one like stash guy, like, like a clinic. Like if I, I, I get the sense. Yeah, of it's hard roster. You have good intentions. Even when you draft, Oh, I can hold this guy for a couple of weeks. But it, when the reality of the season kicks in, it's really hard to keep those spots. Uh, so I got a, a couple of, yeah, I got a couple that I've got one guy, you know, I've got uh, my, my best main event team does have Duran on. So I, you know, I'm hopefully, and I need a speed out. So uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, in fact, there was a period of time where I had to drop them like a few weeks ago. And then mm-hmm. I picked them up the next week when my roster cleared up again. And, and I still was able to win him. Uh, part of the deal is he's so low owned. So he doesn't really pop up on the percentage owned. Like if you filter on that on fab, just because he wasn't drafted by too many teams. Yep. So he was only like 12% owned. So when you filter it, I don't think everybody saw that he was available or maybe everybody's smarter than I am and chose not to roster him. I don't know, but, uh, I'm hopeful that he gets called up and while he's still on my roster and I can use him, but maybe not. We'll see, but it's hard to do to answer your question. It's hard to keep a guy like that. I don't know your, like what your process is for, for, no, you did answer the question. Uh, that, that was, that was perfect. But when, I don't know what your process is because you also have a lot of fab leagues like myself. I don't know. You might have a little bit more than me, but I sort of have like a routine. And what I do, the first thing I do in the first thing I do is I go to all the leagues and I, and I, there's certain targets that I know that I, that I wonder if they're available. So these past two weeks, I've just been searching Eloy for, for which leagues have Eloy available. So I'm making sure that I I'm getting him and like, I, I'm putting a bid on him. And then Duran was another guy. Eloy and Duran, and um, um, I think those are the main two. Um, maybe there was another, um, maybe uh, Bruhan, Bruhan, or, or oh yeah, Bruhan, Eloy, Duran, and Bruhan. Those are the first three words I was searching. I think I was searching McGill on the Mets, and then Sandoval was another guy that I was searching back when I was picking him up. I now own him in like I think uh, ten of my thirteen fab leagues, so I'm okay. sure I was getting him. 
so I just, I, I do that first. So, um, uh, that's sort of like my sort of routine. And then I go through yeah. my mains first. I do the 15s right. first, and then I make sure I get those done. And then the 12s are a lot easier. They take a lot less time. I make sure that I, <laughs> I think it's about 15. I, I allot myself 15 minutes per, per 12 team league. Yeah, and that's good. You don't have to make as long of a list because you pretty much, right. know you're going to, yeah, that's right. You're going to get someone. So, right? so, yeah, I guess um, if the question is about process, my, my process is I probably don't during the week. I'm just, um, working on lineups for the, the two scoring periods, right? So Monday is a big uh, stat accumulation day for the previous week. Uh, I love it when there's not a Monday day game. So you got all day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I love getting all the stats for the previous week accumulated by team, by category. You know, I, I, I track it weekly. So I know, I know what the bogey is to hit for each of the categories. And if I don't hit it, you know, you get a red uh, highlighted cell. If you hit it, you got a green and same thing on the total for accumulation and you can just track which way you're heading on each category. So then you kind of do that one. It's nice to see where you're, which way you're going, but then you kind of got in your head over time as you enter those stats, you really get a feel for each team of where you're deficient at. Right. So then hopefully you can keep that in mind that it takes a few weeks because you have so many teams, but you start getting a feel for which teams need what. So then when it comes to the fab time, you, you already got it in your head that, okay, I know I've been uh, trailing by five Ks per week. I'm, I'm going to need to bump up the Ks or I just can't get the saves in this league. So I'm falling further and further behind. Uh, I've been red three weeks in a row on saves. Uh, you know, I'm going to need to play some more closers, that kind of thing. So that, that affects your thought process later in the week. But so lineups early in the week. And then I really don't start uh, until Saturday, probably on fab, uh, you know, Monday I'll, I'll do the stats. I'll also look at who's dropped. Like sometimes there's some surprise drops. Usually, you know, if you're one of the better teams in the league, like especially in the OCs, then the best players dropped are probably from your own team, just because it's the nature of uh, having a good team, I think. But uh, sometimes there's surprises. So then you'll kind of think about that. The watch list is a nice feature on NFBC. So you'll just click, uh, put that guy in your watch list. And then Saturday, I really just go through the roster grid that I make in Excel for each team. So then, you know, I just have the catcher, you know, two lines for catchers and first base, three lines for first base, three lines for third base. And you just plug in your players. And then if they're hurt, they get a red, right? So that you, you make the cell red so that you know that guy's inactive or he's on the IL. Or if he's in the minors, minors, if he's in the minors, you get an orange. So you know that that's a dead spot for now. And mm -hmm. then um, and then as you go through each team, you, you kind of know where you got to fill in. So if you if you've only got one first baseman for the week, you're gonna put a yellow mark uh, next underneath the the next cell because you know you need to fill that spot because you want two first basemen, you want two third basemen, you want two shortstop, you want two second base, right? You have two of everything, so you got some coverage. And then uh, and then I put a yellow mark on the guy I want to drop. So going into Fab, I know that I've got three guys that I need to upgrade. Uh, or, How many outfielders know, do you want on your roster? That are uh, you know, six. Six, okay. Six, yeah, depending on how many red marks you got, right? But you'd like to have six healthy ones so that you got coverage. That's, that's uh, ideal. Yeah, so then so then going into the fab, without even knowing who's available, you've got an idea based on your, your team of who you want to drop that are, are positions to upgrade ideally, right? So one is, okay, you need a first baseman no matter what. And another one is, okay, um, this guy is not doing very well. Uh, whoever it is, uh, uh, I, 
So like uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Okay, I can upgrade him, right? So right. he gets a yellow, and then I'm looking to to pick, you know, eight outfielders. And I always go overboard in terms of the list, right? If I, if I definitely want to drop Jackie Bradley Jr., I'll have ten outfielders uh, just because, especially in the main events, there's there's so many bids. So I never want to a guy that I really want to drop. I'd never want to uh, leave the bid list short. So I'll go overboard, and then. You know, Saturday night, uh, I'll probably read Vlad's article. That's probably the first one I read is his, uh, his yep. FAB report. That's an awesome uh, article. Yeah, Vlad does a great job on that FAB article. I, lo- I love his article. He'll he'll shoot out a Sunday update sometimes if there's something brewing. But he, that's, the only, that's the only source I use. That's the only thing I've subscribed to this year. I oh, should. really? Yeah, yeah. I think the Roto Labs good. thing, I, I just didn't get around to doing anything else just because I was drafting yeah, so Roto, I read the RotoWire ones as well. FTN puts out a little thing out on Twitter um, that I try to follow. But uh, Vlad is the main one I, I, I follow in terms of that. And then I kind of look at the starting pitching. Uh, you know, I read what Vlad puts in. I, I read what RotoWire has. I look at RotoWire's rankings of the pitchers. And then I really look at HQ's rankings of the pitchers for the following week. So you can sort that by team, uh, by start. You know, you can just look at next week and you can see who's positive, who's negative. And, okay, well, there's a guy that's probably going to be available on FAB. He's got uh, one start that's rated a 1.4, which is pretty good on HQ. So, you know, so then, okay, let's pick him up for next week. So uh, those are some of the things I do on that. Cool. Um, so this, this question is actually from another high stakes player. Not, I don't know if he wants his name mentioned, so I won't, <laughs> okay. um, but, um, he's, he's been helpful to me and he's like, he's actually turned into a good friend over the, over the course of the season. He's, he's asking about the fab and the all-star break period, because I was talking to him, um, about like, how do you approach the fab the, this specific week for the all-star break? Because really like, it's not so hard to fill out the hitting, you know, there's only three or four games, right. but in the right. pitching, like not everyone goes. So. What's your like? What's yeah. your strategy for that? It's a tricky. It's a tricky fab period. Like, do you load up on pitching? And, yeah, uh, and then it also, is a trick. Yeah, it is also tricky. Is, also like, sorry, just not to interrupt, but just yeah. to finish off his question. Also, like, are you like when do you like transition to the long game? I know, like, I heard you on Rob's podcast, and you said you generally go for you don't really stress like the two start pitchers as much. But like, when do you start looking at the long game? Like, like the example that we were talking about is like Luis Patino, like he's probably going to be up at post all-star break, but like compare him to a Chad cool or a Vince Velasquez, like Patina is more upside, but like, you got to start thinking about like, all right, like when do I prioritize someone like that or someone like for the short term? Yeah. So in the twelves is a little bit easier, right? Just because the pool is so much bigger. So I think in the twelves for sure, you're just accumulating good pitchers as you go. So hopefully by the time you get to this part, um, you're, you've got six, six starting pitchers, seven maybe that are what I, you know, I kind of use the pitcher list ranking in terms of starting pitching. So I, I look at their list every week and uh, my, my spreadsheet also uh, does a little V lookup to their list so that I know, okay, yeah, ideally I want five guys on the top 50 or six guys in the top 50. Right. So right. Uh, um, certainly you want everybody on your OC to be in the top 100 off of their list. Uh, sometimes, you know, like McGill the other day was probably not on the list. He, he moved into it now, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I think just accumulating the good starters in the first part of the year and you're through that now. So now you kind of, obviously if you're in the OC, your first thing you want to do is win your league. But then, uh, if you're winning your league, you're, you're definitely trying to win the overall and you're looking at that and which categories can you move up? 
how safe of a lead do you have in different categories? So then you start looking at that a little bit closer. And we're getting to that time of the year to start looking at some of that. But I think uh, I've been hurt more often than uh, helped in chasing some of these two starts. So uh, I was bound and determined this year to do better job of accumulating good pitchers, uh, either through the draft or through fab leading up to this point. So hopefully I'm in good shape on that. So th that being said, if you were like to, when would you shift gears? So like right now, you're like I, I take it from what you're saying is you, you, you stress more the quality long-term play, like a Patino play, than like a, a volume approach. When do you sort of shift gears to, to volume? And are you looking like sometimes three weeks out at a certain point? No, like I never am. Honestly, I don't look three weeks out. I think the pitching landscape changes so fast. It's hard to, the managers don't even know who's going to be pitching when, right? That This year has been a disaster in terms of that. And, you know, they're stretching guys to six days, five days rest. Milwaukee's going with six man. There's a number of season, the number of teams at the beginning of the year that talked about six man. So I think it's really hard to do that. I, I'm just more comfortable taking the, taking the better pitchers and pitching them and decent matchups and not really trying to chase that other stuff. So I think as long as you're winning, you're getting your targets every week, then you're going to be there at the end. And, uh, you know, there may be a spot where you're second or third and you need to like get a whole bunch of saves and you might do something radical the last month or two, uh, even at this point, uh, I know, uh, there was a little controversy with somebody that dropped, uh, I think, Edwin Diaz, right? In one of the, you know, I think it was, was Dusty Wagner that dropped him. It was an auction. Yeah, Dusty, good player, right? Yeah. Great player. So uh, he dropped, he made the calculation that he probably wasn't in the running for the overall. His chance to cash in this case was to win or was to place in that league, second or third. I think it was a 15 team auction that he was in. And uh, he made the calculation that uh, he needed to to bump up the wins and K's and not chase the saves. And uh, so he did that. And, and I think a side benefit of that was doing that early enough and to draw out some fab and that kind of thing. So but if, if you're in the running for an overall, you're not going to do any of that. Right. So uh, hopefully you're put yourself in that spot is the goal. So just going back to the, the first part of the question this week, the all-star break week. Um, oh yeah. Pitch, pitching. So what's your strategy this week? in terms of like yeah so you still got the two you still got a hitting category thursday just a couple games but then you got friday um i didn't really change my roster i may have moved one pitcher i probably moved some lineups i went from uh you know four bench hitters to three bench hitters you know i, I moved it from a four three to a three four maybe or even mm -hmm. a two five uh, on some and i and mostly i put in uh a couple more middle relievers just because it's hard to guess the starters. And uh, ideally, if you can pitch nine pitchers this week, you're going to be ahead of most of the teams in terms of your stat accumulation, even if it is a middle reliever or a, a closer, uh, it's just going to be hard. It's hard to, to get to the starters. And hopefully by Friday, we'll even know for sure. But sometimes uh, these all-star weeks uh, stuff happens and yeah. the guy you think is going to go Sunday doesn't even go Sunday. So uh it's, it's hard to guess that right. So uh, my, my strategy was to add a couple uh, middle reliever guys just to play, uh, to make sure I got something um, if, if the starter isn't scheduled to start. Not too much different than the first week of the season, right? Or the first week? <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first week of the season, you're thinking a little differently than now, but yeah, you're, you're right. Okay. Um, so the next question I had is um, if you had to hunt, if I gave you a hundred points or 
call it a thousand, just related to fab. If you had a thousand dollar fab budget, how would you um, allocate it in terms of um, from, uh, um, how would you allocate player evaluations, draft strategy, fab and in-season management? So in terms of importance of like being successful. So those four items, you have to like assign uh, an importance dollar to. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty close to even. Um, really, I mean, I think player evaluation probably is is at least 25, 250, uh, maybe a little higher. Mm -hmm. Along with that would be playing time, right? Consideration, drafting the right guys. I mean, that's got to be maybe 300, 350. Um, roster construction, definitely a couple hundred on that. Um, I think a lot of people don't do the roster construction right, um, mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, and then fab, uh, what were the other two? Oh, lineups. In-season management. So oh, in-season management. Start yeah, six. yeah. Uh, that's probably the, I don't know. There's so much data available on that, right? Like Razzball, that's one we didn't even mention. I mean, that Hittertron thing for uh, picking the weekly or the partial lineups for the partial periods. I mean, I think that guy does a great job. Rudy does awesome with that. So uh, right. I used to try to figure it all out myself, but uh, I still do. But uh, I kind of look at what he's got projected between two players and uh, it's a good tool, I think. Um, and in terms of starting pitching, there's so many different sources. I mentioned it, most of them already. So you can get a good idea who to do that, who to start. And then, um, Fab, I think, has got to be at least 250. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a big thing. I love Fab. Uh, I mean, I know it's a pain, but, and I know I've got way too many leagues to do it with, but I can't wait to do Fab every week. I mean, I just, as hard as it is and as challenging as it is, I just think that there's a whole world of people out there that are doing the same thing and uh, are struggling with it more and don't have the good systems in place and aren't organized with it. And uh, to me, uh, the longer the season goes, uh, the more advantage somebody has if they're good at fab. So uh, I enjoy the fab. Cool. Um, so we, we, we talked about some people in the NFBC already. Um, are there any, like, I, I'll tell you a story. I was, you were doing, you did some Memorial, uh, you did some Memorial Day drafts this year, right? I did like, too. Yeah. Just the last minute. I don't know why I did them. I just jumped into two. I was in one, I was in one of them with you and um, I was, I was, um, I was going to join one and then uh, I was in one and then I saw you popped into it and I'm like, fuck this. I'm out of here. And then, <laughs> Come on. Did yeah, you really? Yeah. And then um, why did you do that? I, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't want to. That was dumb. You should so have stayed I, in. I, I moved to like, I moved to like the 11 PM that night and then you joined. Oh, that, okay. Then you joined okay. that one too. <laughs> anyway. Oh, and you joined, oh. that was the second when you joined. So, oh. um, no, you, no, I, I, you, I've learned you got to pick your spots because some of the some yeah. of the leagues are softer than the other ones, and uh, you know it's hard to tell, right? I mean, there is a lot yeah, of data. It is really hard I mean, to know. And I'll I'll do the research on the owners as well. Like it's not too hard to figure out how the how the owner did last year, right? So uh, I, I do do that, but I'll tell you what, some of the new players and some of the new people, it's. They're great. They're we super about good Phil. players. We talked about Phil already. Yeah, well, he's, Phil's he's only been he's relatively a couple years, right? The guy that's leading um, the OC, poker player guy. He's yeah, doing great on the Rotowire podcast. Yeah, yeah, he was on with Jeff. Great, yeah. great podcast. Yeah, exactly. seems like a great guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a force, right? Like uh, these poker players, <laughs> they're good. I mean, uh, 
I don't know. I, I think it's yeah, just, uh, for sure. it's hard to, it's hard to find a soft league and it's hard to, uh, but that's okay. Um, challenge of a good league is good. And uh, so you moved out of my league. Nice. Moved, but, I, but then I still got, I, I went in, I, I still drafted with you in the other league. It just, okay. I think it was like three hours later. We did, you, you must've been, <laughs> you must've had an itch to draft that night because you, you yeah, I guess so. No, I think I saw you move. So I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in that one. No. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. We, I don't, I thought we, I was going to look at the, the draft board, but I don't think we have time about, I don't know. Oh, no, that's all right. Yeah. We don't have time. We don't, we don't, well, maybe yeah. save, save it for next, save it for your encore appearance. How are you doing in the, so how's your team's doing? How are you doing overall? Overall? Um, I'm doing better than I was last year. Last year was a short season. I don't know. I don't yeah. I didn't do well last year. So I'm, I'm leading the overall uh, online auction championship. Yeah. I heard that. I saw that. Awesome. Yeah. So that's I think like it was on ESPN actually. It was uh, on the ticker and on below. It was something about your your leading the league. So that's awesome. ESPN? No, I just can't. Oh. Just mess with you, man. Okay. No, congrats though, really. That's yes. awesome. Um yeah, hope so you win that. I hope I hope I win too. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to to stay alive. I don't have I don't have a lot of fab left in that league. I, I actually bought Julian Merriweather and I'm still how much <laughs> how much do you have left? Uh, like hundred bucks. Uh, you'll be all right. Yeah. Um, and then like my, I was leading the main, I, I did two mains. I was leading one of the main for one of the main oh, for a job. while. And then nice. uh, Del Don just overtook me um, in our league. Oh, and um, I did four OCs. I'm in first and two of them. So uh, I'm having, I'm like having you're doing a great. Good DC, job. DCs I'm not doing well at. I did the most DCs. I'm not in first in any of them, but oh, okay. I don't know. I got a few that are in second, but yeah, I'm doing, I'm I'm doing, I'm doing it out. okay. Yeah. Keep grinding. Yeah, it is a grind. Twenty five percent of the way to go yet. So, it is. It is definitely a grind. Uh, do you have any players that you just were avoiding this year, like early? Uh, there were a couple. Uh, oh, you were going to talk about players and who to avoid. So, like you yeah. tried to jump out of my league. Um, uh, oh, to yeah. me, uh, Casey Cha is the best player, right? Yeah. Uh, Vlad is a great player. I don't like to be in his leagues. Uh, he's really good on twelves for sure. Jenstead is another great player. Um, but I think maybe the best player, and he doesn't play baseball anymore, Chad Schroeder, for real. Like, this guy was a was a beast in baseball. Uh, he's a beast in football. Really good player. So uh, those are a few players. I mean, I don't – it's hard to avoid some of these – some of these guys play in a lot of leagues, and it's you hard to avoid them. You can't you avoid can't, them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, those are – I mean, Cha and Chad probably are the, the two best that I know of. Right. What about Tyler? Tyler Young. He, I know. I know. At least in DCs. Oh yeah, he's he's a great player too, for sure. Yeah, he's got two in the top ten right now. I think so. That's another one, uh, and he plays twelves as well. I think so. Uh, yeah, it's a that's a good one. It's not only it's not players that I would let's say I avoid, but there's players that I just <laughs> pay attention to. If I'm in the right. league, it's sort of like an investment. Like like Cha. Like I was in maybe yeah, a couple yeah. of his leagues. I'm like, hey, what's this guy doing? You. Um, <laughs> When I look at when I look at the fab every week, and I look at I look and I sort it by them. Like there's condensed field, there's a condensed oh, view, yeah. and there's also right, right. Like a, a full view. So what I do yeah. is I, I do the full view, and then I sort it by name. Yeah. And then some players try to hide themselves. Like oh yeah, I switch my team name every week, so you can't figure it out. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. So, but so, like guys like Cerebro thinks you think think they're smart and they they yeah. special. But you can he's smart it. by the way. He's a good player too. No, he's he's, a, he's excellent player. player. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. he's he's awesome. Yeah, but he he switches his team names. So he like you he, he can't see his name, so like. But I'll I'll do a quick search, and I I like to see what I like to keep tabs on like a certain couple of players, see what they're up to, just to just to see like yourself, right. um, uh, Toby, um, Phil. Oh yeah, Phil. Toby, another one. 
Good one. Yep. Bill, I look yep. at Matty Wood. I see what he's doing. He doesn't change yeah. the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's leading my main that I'm in right now. He's, look he's at got a good team. Quay Hogs. I look at like they're. Oh yeah, Topinka. Super yeah. good. So Excellent. yeah, I'm, I'm he's probably a, he's missing a, a couple. Master for sure. I'll look at I'll look at um baseball furies just for fun. See see what he's up to. Furies. Yeah. 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 Yeah, just, that's oh, good. There's, there's a couple names that I just want to make sure that I see what they're up to. Those are those are some of the names. I don't. Know. I thought he owned the rights to this podcast. Oh no, he does. He oh, does. okay, good. Yeah, yeah, just checking. Yeah, no, he he owns. This is he's my boss actually. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Mikey. <laughs> you know what? Fine. I was I was ta- I'll, I'll embarrass him. Doesn't matter. I was talking. <laughs> I was I was I was thinking back to the first podcast we did this pre this preseason, and we were going over a draft that we did in October. And he's obviously ripping on all my picks that I made. He's like, you're doing oh, yeah. as usual. And we got to, I took Shoei Otani like at pick like 230 or 250. Mike the mouth goes to me. He's like, that's a fucking wasted pick. <laughs> <laughs> Shohei Otani. I wanna, yeah. I wanna, I wanna, if I had the time and I cared enough, I'd go back and find that audio clip. Yeah, yeah. But No, I mean, everybody's got those I, though, right? So no, he's, he's, a great, he's, a, he's a really good player. He's uh, passionate not, about baseball. He's, you know, he's, He's gotten so much better at the game as well. Like over the years, he's a really good. Uh, he's a force on these DCs for sure, as well know. as the the main events. He's a, he's a good. I don't think he does any twelves. Uh, uh, that's uh, I think he does standard, midnight. I think, Mad- I think the midnight madness in Vegas. He does it. Oh tomorrow. yeah, maybe that, that's a twelve. That's right. No, no. I just I, I can't rip on him because really I know him yeah. well enough now. But no, I love I love Mike. He's got a good heart and he's a great player. Obviously, I've I've actually learned a lot from him. So I've, yeah, in I've, terms I've of avoid. In terms of avoid players, I, I think I avoided Bellinger altogether. He was on my do not draft list. Uh, you asked me if I cross players out. I'm, I mean, I don't do it to the extent that Cha does. Uh, I think uh, he, he's a master of that. Uh, <laughs> most guys I'll take, uh, it, it, you know, depending on where they go. But Bellinger was one just because I just wasn't comfortable taking him with his injuries. Uh, Otani was another I didn't hardly take at all. I think Same. I took him in one or two cut lines and. I just had a hard time believing he could do what he's doing. And, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting how he's, uh, you know, if he's going to be a two-way player next year in terms of uh, can you use him in both uh, mm-hmm. for the NFBC. I don't know if the ruling's been out on that yet, but if he if he could play both at the same time uh, in the same week, uh, that would be a really, he'll be a first-round pick. That's a game changer. Sure. I think he's, yeah, he's right? a first-round pick. He's a first-round first round pick anyways next year. Yeah, he probably is. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, so that's kind of – a few guys I did I did avoid, but I'm trying to think of the guys like Bellinger was a guy I had no shares of as well. Yeah. Um, Maeda was an avoid for me. I don't know why, just because he didn't have enough. Yeah, track I got for some Maeda. Um, I'm trying to think of some avoids that I that I um that were bad avoids. Um, yeah, Otani was oh Vlad, which Guerrero was an avoid. Yeah, yeah. He was nice basically avoid. avoid. I, w- I wasn't taking any first baseman early just because yeah. um, I don't know. We didn't, I that wasn't on our agenda because I just yeah. felt like I can get first baseman later on. Like I know you probably were thinking Yuli, Guriel, and whatever, right? I felt like I was not getting Freeman or Guerrero or Alonso just because yeah. this, I wasn't I think, building my teams. Yeah. Another piece of just the prep, and it's always good to have somebody that you can kick ideas off and get a different perspective of players. Like I, I hear Jeff and Vlad and uh, you know Vlad and Scott talk on their podcast and different things. Uh, I think I think it's great. Rob Silver is probably in that group too, where they they kick around ideas and players, and I think that's good for everybody to have somebody like that. And for me, uh, it's Doug Gruber, uh, he, and he's doing great this year. He's he, he's got a shot at winning the main. I think he's got a team in the top ten right now, and he's got several teams up there. And, and for me, uh, he's he's a good one just to collaborate with and uh, 
uh, talk about players and fab ideas and such. So uh, I think that's helpful for anybody out there to to find another player uh, to, to bounce ideas by because, you know, we all hear things differently, see things differently, and it's a good idea, I think, to collaborate on some things. Yeah, no, I have a couple of people that I, that are that I'm fortunate that are been playing a long time and are very good players and that I've been able to talk to um, this year. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. One, I'll, I'll end off on the last question. I'll skip sure. to the end. And um, one, one question, one last question I have for you is: Who do you think is going to be the biggest riser up draft boards? Like this hype, the hype guy next year in 2022. If you had a crystal ball, um, like like this year maybe it was Meadows because Vlad Sedler said talked about him. But like I'm trying to think of who it was. Like. Freddie Peralta was one of those guys that like got hyped right. up a lot, but there was that was sort of um, because of um, yeah. So interesting. Uh, I'm doing a draft right now, just kind of a mock draft with four guys, uh, four guys in a chat room that are just doing a draft for next year over the All Star break, and we're in round ten right now. And uh, I, I think if you look on a message board in um, Dan Kenyon's section, the Doughboy section, I think he he posted a couple rounds there, so kind of interesting uh where everybody's going but uh yeah i mean burns is burns and freddie are up there obviously compared to where they were last year um otani went team five when i took otani at five mm-hmm. uh, 1.05 uh, i'm in a baseball yeah, right i'm in a baseball right now that's best balls that are going okay post all-star break and oh yeah yeah i, yeah. I took Ota- i took otani at five or three yeah, i think okay. at four because, but that's best ball so that's different right so yeah. he has more value there yeah, so I, I don't know. Mullins is probably going to be a guy that goes way up, right? So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some of those guys, we'll see. Walsh, More to come, yes. Walsh is, I mean, is going to go a lot higher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Walsh will be a top two rounds, right? But I think he's, he's going to start like up high. I'm just wondering who's going to be that riser next year. Um, yeah. Somebody that's like a comeback player or something. Um, yeah, it's hard to know. Yep. Chris Sale, right? Sonny Gray. There's a bunch of them that will be uh, – very valuable next year compared to what they were this year. Right on. All right. So I guess I'll let you go, John. All right, Zach. Hey, appreciate you having me on. Thank you for for the opportunity. Uh, Good luck with your teams the rest of the way as well. And uh, good luck with this podcast. Thanks very much, John. And uh, thank you. Good luck to your teams. I'll be sure to be watching you and uh, I'll be watching (laughs) your fab movements. I'll be watching what you're doing and um, uh, trying to learn from the best. Well, I appreciate that. I don't know about the best, but uh, I appreciate one of the, your one of the best. words. You're on the right. You're on, you're on my Mount Rushmore, baby. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. I uh, appreciate all that. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye.